I'm Mike Vardy. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepasswordcom slash ConVo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now... You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. Welcome to the Productivities Podcast. I am your host, Mike Vardy, and this week on the show... 
We have Joe Bulick on the show, and we're going to dive a little bit into his OmniFocus setup in a lot of ways. We we don't really dive into apps all that much, but we talk about OmniFocus quite a bit in this episode, as well as a lot of other productivity practices. And uh, I'm really, really excited to to chat with Joe because I've never really had a chance to do that before in terms of a, a full-on uh, weekly episode. We had a couple other chats for bonus episodes that our Patreon supporters get, but uh, this one's full of productivity goodness. So I encourage you to sit back and enjoy the ride as I chat with Joe Bulig here on the Productivityist Podcast. I would like to welcome Joe Bulig to the Productivityist Podcast. Joe, thanks for joining me today. Certainly, Mike. Thanks for having me. You know, we talked about this as we were uh, getting to record. We've, we've known each other online for a fair number of years, but never actually have exchanged, you know, intonations over the microphone. It's true. I feel like we have had a number of interactions and we should have connected before now. Yeah, I'm like, sorry, it's like, taking this long. like mics on mics, it would have been a, a no brainer back when I was doing right. that with Schachter. Like there's so many, right. you know, so many, but now, now we've done it. So, uh, and, and thanks to, um, thanks to Josh Wrench for, for, um, for, and what's his, what's his, tri- Shawit, right? Shawit? Shawit. Yes. I actually run a podcast with him. So there you go. So time. he, so he basically endorsed you. So it, what's the podcast you do? Uh, that one is theoretical accountability. Yep. So if you're familiar with the 12 week year. Yep. That's the theoretical accountability that comes with that. Yep. So uh, we'll go. have that linked in the show notes, but it's gl- I'm, I'm glad that you guys, uh, I'm glad we got the chance to connect. And I want to talk today about the evolution of productivity apps. And specifically, um, you, you're, you're a wizard at OmniFocus. I'm not so much of a wizard anymore. I think I've, I've, um, I've stepped back from OmniFocus in, in recent years. Well, what um, are you using? I'm using, I'm using Todoist for my own stuff that I want to okay. keep internal. Uh, but then I use Asana for all the team-based stuff. And the reason I left OmniFocus behind, and I know this might be a bit more of a tech nerdy episode for those of you listening, um, but you know, I, I, I have a license to do this every once in a while. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> it's my you show. You got to turn it loose on occasion. It's my yeah. show. Um, but, uh, you know, the one thing that, 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 and I, and I remember when I did the OmniFocus setup a number of years ago, which we were talking about again before we went on the air is, um, the collaboration component. It's it's very challenging to do collaboration with with not just OmniFocus. There's other apps. The things comes to mind. There's several of them where collaboration is challenging. It's not impossible, but it's challenging. And uh, that was one thing. And then again, uh, tools like Todoist, Asana, um, those tools allow for multiple if you want to call them contexts or modes or whatever per task, you can kind of do that with OmniFocus in nested contacts, contexts rather, but it's not, it's, it's not as uh, I would say, I'm going to say simple because when I'm talking to people about it, they're like, okay, so this context lives inside this other context. So it's, it's a bit for, 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 for some people to get their head around. But what I love about OmniFocus and always have, it's as simple as you want it to be, but as powerful as you need it to be for individual task management. Yes. And I'm one of those that likes to make it more powerful. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're perspectiving the crap out of it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, kind of. It's I, I do a lot of Apple scripting, so yeah. I write a lot of my own stuff. So, and, so let's talk yeah. about let's talk about the barrier that I mentioned right away is, is the collaboration barrier. How yes. have you managed to work your way around that? Or Because there are some people out there that have seen that what they do is they have they have their team, kind of like what I do with Todoist, I guess, to a point, is that they've got all their team stuff in like Asana or Trello or or wherever they've got it. But then they've got it, um, 
they've got an automation setup of some sort of automation where it creates the task and OmniFocus for them so that they don't have to open these larger scale tools and they can focus ultimately on their stuff. Like, do you, do you kind of, when you work with people or do you, do you find that that that's, that's something that you do or like, how do you make it when you, when you want to work collaboratively with OmniFocus? Is that something that even concerns you? Uh, no, okay, there you go. <laughs> it, it's not something I deal with at all. And that might be part of my reasoning for sticking with it. I know they've actually got it on their roadmap to start to solve some mm-hmm. of this at some point this year. Uh, I don't know when, who knows, they are a bit deceptive. Well, maybe not deceptive, but it's hard to nail down when they're, they're going to release they're Im- things. They're ambiguous, which is kind of interesting. There you go. There for, you go. For a task management app to be ambiguous is kind of an oxymoron, but I get it. Right, right. So, <laughs> yeah. So I don't really deal with the whole collaborative thing just because I know that. Mo- so, for example, I'm a heavy developer. I do a lot of writing code, building websites, that sort of thing. But I'm gaining new clients on a weekly basis, and they're gone within two or three weeks. Uh, if they come back into my life, that's fine. That's kind of a repeat thing, but that's not super frequent. So I don't ever go through the process of setting up some form of project management that I do with them. It's all through our glorious process of email. So I have to manage all of the chasing and all of the the initial contact and pieces. I have to manage all of that on my own. It's not something I have to share with them. Mm. Uh, if I actually do have to share something with them, honestly, it's through like Google Docs or yeah. something like Quip or basically whatever they're using. I just kind of morph myself into using theirs, which means I'm creating all kinds of tasks and OmniFocus and putting links and stuff in there so that I don't lose track of what's where. So that's, that. That's if anything, that's the tricky part is just managing the resources that go with it. So if someone's using OmniFocus, and we'll dive into OmniFocus particularly for a little bit so we can get some of this magical stuff uh, you know, kind of out there. What's one thing that somebody can do that they're probably not doing that will level up their OmniFocus experience? And I mean, that's a pretty open-ended question, but so a lot of people, they look at OmniFocus and they see everything at once and it kind of freaks them out. Like what, what recommendations do you have or what can someone do that, that, that if they're using OmniFocus and they want to leverage it more and maybe make it more quote unquote focused, what, what's some, some of the tips and tricks that you can share? Well, the one that I, I, I've been having this conversation a, a lot lately, not necessarily online, but with some people, well, I say not online, but it's via email in a lot of cases. But uh, the one place that I see a lot of people getting hung up on with OmniFocus is the the context piece. You kind of mentioned this earlier, like the mm-hmm. multiple contexts bit and nested and, and going down that path. It's led a number of people to leaving OmniFocus and going to things like Todo or Todoist. Like I, I see people doing that. But I tend to recommend that instead of trying to figure out how many different contexts something could apply to a task, rather focus on the context that it should be. Right. So if you get the difference there, I I tend to assign a context to a task based on which context is best suited for that task. So, Mm -hmm. you know, prime example is if I'm doing some form of communication, say I need to send an email to a new client that I just uh, discovered and I want to try to get that particular project. I could send that email from my phone, but I know that I have enough little extra tidbits on my Mac that I'm better off sending that email from my Mac. So I'll give it the context of my MacBook as opposed to... um, Email. As opposed to my phone, right, or, or right, just, in that case. Or, or even just email in general. 
right? Right, right. Because, I could do that, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and I think this is interesting because when I look at, like, when I talk about mode-based work, which is, which is again, it's, it's I would say it's an evolution or a spin on, on context in a lot of ways, but every, like, I have categories of modes. So they're theme-based, you know, resource-based, energy-based, activity-based, or time-based. And you get to choose. So for some people, email might be what they need. And that means that they can send it from whatever email program that they want, and it doesn't matter. But in your case, like you said, there's a specificity there that, you know, look, this stuff exists on the MacBook. That's a resource that I need to leverage. So that's what it needs to be. And then once that, I would imagine, and and, and maybe I'm getting ahead of ourselves here, but once that's an established context for you, then that's something, or for anyone, then that's something that they can know, oh, I have this already in here. I don't need to put MacBook colon Evernote or MacBook colon, because you could put that in the task, right? You'd say, hey, go into Evernote and grab this. I think people get too caught up in the, let's drill it down to the minutia. Yes, absolutely. Because for me, I know that there are certain times a day of the day when I'm best suited in certain contexts. Now, just to clarify, most of my contexts are the the exact tools. So my MacBook, my phone, uh, I've got a whiteboard in my office, pen and paper, like those are my contexts, or I'll have a specific location. So I'm the IT director at our church. So I need to have our church as one of my contexts because I can't pull cable for the church at my house. It just doesn't work. <laughs> so there are some things like that that I have to have in detail, but that's how I set up my context. And I know that if I've got certain projects that need to be done sooner rather than later, I tend to pull up the project and then put myself in those contexts. Because, you know, you know, this is the, the age old thing that we've got going on right now is all of our tools are with us all the time. So how do you nail down what context you're in if all of them are with you at one time? And that's where I tend to differentiate with choosing the one that's best suited for it, and then deliberately putting myself with that particular context or that tool in this case, so that I'm able to accomplish more. And I know that if I'm looking at a given context and there's a whole bunch on it and it's just overwhelming, that's, that's an indicator to me that I've got too much, either too much going on or I need to break that context out in more detail. Or if I'm looking at a context and there's nothing on it, do I really need it anymore? Mm. Like I, I'm always doing some of that uh, fine tuning process. So you, you come talk to me in about three months, Mike, and my context will probably be slightly different. And then another month later, they'll be slightly different again. They're just always, they're always morphing. Okay. So how do you keep, and this is another pain point for a lot of people, how do you keep the tweaking from getting in the way of the, you know, executing? Oh yeah, that's a good question. Because I know that it's easy to get caught up in wanting to, to, just continue making it better and better yeah, and better. Yeah. O- optimization <laughs> for, for sake of optimizing, but what, why are you optimizing if you're not executing, right? Right. I have a, a thing where I do a monthly review. So I'm, a, I'm kind of a review Nazi, if you will. And I, I do the whole weekly review thing. I do a monthly review as well. And during that monthly review, that's when I reevaluate my context. So it's not something that I'm always, I guess I shouldn't say I'm always looking at it. It's where I'm setting time aside once a month to do that. And then also during that monthly period, I give myself like half a day or sometimes a full day to write scripts and such to create features that I want in my tools so that I know for the next month, if I'm using that, it can speed things up for me. So I I have a handful of scripts that I've written for OmniFocus just to make things easier on myself. And it's come from those periods where I've sat down specifically on this specific day to talk through this with myself 
and come up with something to make it better. But like you say, if I were to do that, you know, two or three times a week, I would spend way more time coming up with things mm. that make it new and shiny or cool or fun. And they don't actually help me in the long run. Uh, so your, your Apple scripts, do you, um, first off, A, do you have them readily available for anybody to kind of, kind of put through the paces or are they specifically designed for I what do. your workflow is? Yeah. Okay. I, I have them, um, they're on GitHub, so I can give you a link to that. You yeah. Let's throw that, we'll throw there. that in the show notes. That'd be great. Cause I know there are some people here that are definitely into omni focus and, and listening and, and that would be helpful, uh, especially if they're not afraid to get, cause scripting can be a, a, a very daunting realm to jump into. Right. 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 It scares a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause they, they're not sure. Cause it, it's it's kind of like automation in a lot of ways. Like this automation, like using something like Zapier or IFTTT, you know, if it breaks, then you got to dig into why it broke. Whereas with if the app comes to you as is, like OmniFocus does, I mean, even some people even get freaked out about adding their own custom icons to it. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa could that break? It? <laughs> no, 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 it's not going to break. It. It'll be fine. Um, let's talk about the things that you, um, some of the other tricks that you use to kind of have OmniFocus weave its magic. And then I want to talk, and then further to that, what are the things that you wish OmniFocus had that it doesn't have right now? So some of the things that I wish it had they're working on right now. Yep. Uh, I use the app Do that does the the yep. nagging reminder thing. Yeah, reminder uh, on, reminders on steroids, yeah. Right, right. And I love that for things like I need to grind coffee tonight because I, I grind it like once a week. And when I run out, I need to grind more. But... If I forget tonight, that's a problem tomorrow morning because developers, coffee, mm. they need to, they go together quite well. Yep. And I, I don't want that to fall through the cracks. Well, when I get off work, I may or may not look at OmniFocus much just because it's my time to go chill with the fam. So I don't want to lose track of that. So I use Do to set the nagging reminder thing to make sure that I have that done. I love to morph that into OmniFocus. But it sounds like they're working on something like that. I hope that they're in their implementation of it is easy to get things into it and set it up. Uh, but, you know, that's me being a bit nitpicky with it. To be honest with you, Mike, I, I don't really get too bent out of shape over wanting new features with it because I've been using OmniFocus now for, I guess, four and a half years, maybe five years now. Mm -hmm. And back in OmniFocus 1. Yep, just at the uh, tail end of it, to be honest, really. Like it was yes, yeah, just, just yes. before it morphed into the 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 what it's become now. So Right. I used it for about a year, I think, before they brought out OmniFocus 2. Mm -hmm. But I, I've used it long enough that I've learned how to make the Mac my central hub. And the phone is mostly an input device and a list viewer for me. And I set up the perspectives in it so that I can see what I want to see when I want to see them. But other than that, I don't really get too bent out of shape of wanting new things with it. If they come up with stuff that makes it easier for me to input mm -hmm. things, like when they released the the URL schemes and the task paper input yep. process for templates and such, uh, that was a bit of a game changer for me because I could create entire projects from my phone, which was mm -hmm. a big deal for me. But once I've got that, I'm not too... <laughs> I'm not too picky with it, I guess. So I don't mind their slower release schedule as compared to some. I'm, well, I'm okay with it. Well, and they're also not a software as a service, as so many of these other ones are, right? Which is which leads, leads me to kind of where I want to go next, which is the kind of the evolution of productivity apps. Because, uh, you know, in, in the decade plus that I've been studying productivity, we've seen it go from things like Kinkless GTD and IGTD to apps like, uh, you know, um, 
SkedPal and 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 these other ones that have the AI built in, so that you could say, okay, well, this should be scheduled here based on your, you know, on your on your preferences. What what uh, when when it comes to what do you look for, um, you know, in a tool? Like, I mean, obviously, OmniFocus is dec- is is handling most of those things. When you were first getting into OmniFocus, like what what drew you to it? And what were you looking for in a tool? Like what were you using before? And what were you looking for that your 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 current setup didn't offer? So before I got into OmniFocus, I was on Evernote for my GTD system, gotcha. which is really interesting. And I, I had used that pretty significantly. I had a, quite a system set up for it. And it worked pretty well for me, but I realized that I was seeing everything all at one time. Mm-hmm. And that just didn't work. So when I was looking for something to replace it, I was looking for something that had basically two things. One, the ability to hide things without deleting them or checking them off, uh, which is where some of the on hold and deferring processes and OmniFocus come in. The other thing I was looking for is scripting or an API. So as a developer, I know quite clearly that any app or any tool that I'm going to use, there's a pretty good chance it's not going to have all the features I want in it built in from the from the get-go, and I'm going to want to add to it. So I tend to look for things that have the scripting ability. You know, mm-hmm. if you want an example of that, look at uh, the review process and OmniFocus. So they've yeah. got the perspective where you can review things. My biggest hang-up with that is I tend to schedule my reviews. And I want to do those, you know, I lately I've been doing them on Sunday mornings. And I know that if I add a new project midweek, that's a problem because it's not actually going to show up in that review perspective until, say, Wednesday after that. But I want to see it on Sunday morning. And that, that became a problem for me. So I wrote a script that I run daily that will auto reset those review dates when it's next due for a review. And it will reset it to Sunday for me. And I don't have to worry about it. So now I have on Sunday morning, I go into OmniFocus and the review perspective is loaded up. And that's purely because of the scripting ability that it comes with. And I know that whenever I've looked at some of these other apps, like Things 3 Mm -hmm. has come out and there's just a lot of these things that continue to come out, but they don't always have that built-in connection that I want for scripting and for adding some new things to it. So that's something I tend to look for. And it's actually a pretty big deal for me. Right, right. And see, let's talk about things three because it took for the culture. <laughs> okay. Let's just talk about it briefly because um, I, I got a chance to put the. Is beta. that possible? Is it possible to talk about it briefly? I think maybe so. we could try. I, I I used it. I I got a a chance to put it through the paces. It looks nice. Um, I'm I'm very much in the camp of and you know of too little, too late for cultured code in a lot of ways. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I doubt they'll ever advertise with me at this point. Uh, but, <laughs> but I mean, sponsor gone, <laughs> yeah, but, but, but I think that, and I think that that's part of this evolution of productivity apps is that you need to be, you need to be able to be agile. You need to be able to, to iterate quickly things. I mean, Asana ran into this problem when they released their mobile app, they didn't have a mobile app that was, was really all that great. So they lost people. And I mean, look what I mean, even with Evernote lately, you know, where they've changed their pricing models and removed features from people abandoning ship. When you've got a tool like OmniFocus, which has been pretty stalwart, like they've not really altered course. They've been pretty consistent all along the way. 
Um, and they've got their diehard fans, much like getting things done has its diehard fans. You know, they've got people like this is what I use. And I'll, I'll be I'll be the first to say that I look at OmniFocus and I get tempted every once in a while, you know, because it's got, you know, it looks nice. The review, the forecasting, all the perspectives, everything looks looks it's still top notch. And there's really not been that much in the way of massive changes in recent years. But. What it, what were your thoughts when you looked at cuz you probably got a chance to look at things 3 or at least read about it like what were your thoughts about it were they, were they you know like just a quick impression of it Uh it looks like a new and shiny to me Yeah it, it it's definitely something that has a new paint job on it mm-hmm. and they've done a pretty good job with say all the animations and all the interactions that you can have with it To me that's pretty slick it mm-hmm. it makes it fun to use but if I were to put it through the paces of how I do things, yeah. it falls it falls on its face really it, fast. It's it's the same thing with Microsoft To Do, right? When when they you know they just announced Microsoft To Do not too long ago, and they're saying we're replacing Wonderlist with it. Well, I put, I mean, I've used Wonderlist. I don't use it regularly, but I do have some people that I work with that that use it. So I have to keep my I have to keep up to date with it. Um, yep. And then I looked at Microsoft To Do, and I'm like, this is. I mean, I think their quote was, we will retire Wonderlist when we feel that to do is ready. And I'm like, ready. It's not even, it's, it looks nice. It looks shiny, but, and it looks basically like a, like a nice paint job. And there's some, there's some interesting features, but it's missing. So like file attachments and things that are just fundamental to what the user experience was in in Wonderlist. So to ask people to migrate, and that's where it gets tricky, right? Because you're asking someone to migrate from a, from one app that you're shutting down, which you can do in a software as a service environment, because v- they won't be able to access it anymore, versus something like, I mean, I re- remember using IGTD for, I mean, it, it still ran on my machine, even though I stopped using it. Like, it wasn't like I could, it, I could still use it very easily. So thing... And the interesting thing now, now I think what happens with tools again, like OmniFocus and things in particular, I'll use those two as examples, is that the you have to pay for every version of the app, right? You still have to do that with right. OmniFocus, correct? And I think that's where they they lose people. But does I don't think that matters on the whole to them. It, 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 you know what I mean? In the grand scheme of things, right? And I know you also have to keep in mind that. And I'm saying this as a developer because I build tools, not mm-hmm. necessarily at this scale. But whenever you look at some of these things, you also have to keep in mind that there's very different demographics that they're trying to shoot for. I mean, someone who builds something like Wonderlist is shooting for a very different group than what OmniFocus is. Right. And, and there are a lot of cases, and I, I've met a few people now where Things 3, that is exactly what they need. You know, that is the tool for them. And it's primarily because they're not looking for anything fancy with templated projects and they're not trying to defer things in any way. They don't even get the concept of contexts. Like they just need a list of things to do when they get to a certain building (laughs) or they want a list of things to do whenever it's nice outside and I'm home. Like they want those that level and that's all the further it goes, which to me makes zero sense because how do you keep track of the projects that you have going on? Like to me, I just can't even get my head around that. Yeah. But it works for some people, and that's what some of these companies are shooting for because it tends to be, at least it seems to me that if you look at the broader population of the world, uh, uh, at least the, the the first world, I guess, uh, when you look at that, it seems like the people who are using these tools, that would be a tool or a, an app that would be geared towards just the general user of a phone. Like I, I run across a lot of people that just use Apple Notes 
And that's how they keep their tasks because that's all they need is just a simple list. And the group of people that are after some of the power features that, you know, if you're looking at power features for notes, you're looking at something like OneNote or Evernote. If you're looking Mm -hmm. for power features in a task manager, that's where things like OmniFocus or Todoist tend to step in. But the the populations are vastly different between those two. And it's sometimes painful as a developer to figure out which ones you're going to shoot for because the dollars behind them can be vastly different between those two groups. Absolutely. And I mean, the the the, the business model is completely different too. You know, I mean, if you're paying for something up front, it's the old model. It's the old, when you, remember when you used to be able to go into a, an actual like Apple store or reseller and walk out with a box of software? Oh yeah. And you got the discs that you can yeah, go install it all. Yeah. 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 That doesn't happen anymore. Um, you know, so there's, it's a very different uh, era. Now, I have an interesting hypothesis that I'd like you to consider as we're getting closer to the wrapping up paper. So we're seeing a real renaissance with paper planners, the bullet journal, uh, a slew of others. Um, what, first off, what's your take on those? Number one, like, do you have, does paper have any role in what you do? And secondly, do you think that the rise of the paper planner may be almost, I wouldn't say let's I'll use the term backlash, but maybe a response to the, overwhelming amount of not just stuff that we need to do or inputs that are coming at us, but the amount of tools that we could choose that are electronic that can help us with that stuff? So that's an interesting question for you to ask me. So I have, sitting right next to me, I have a Rodian dot pad. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have four fountain pens sitting here. Mm -hmm. I have a Leuchtturm, what is it, 1917 Yep. Notebook. Yep. So the one that the bullet journals are generally used for. Yeah. Right. You, you and right. me are the same. I've got a whole wall of notebooks. I've got my pens. I mean, I'm still a very much a paper person. Right. So I have a lot of this. And what I have found is I, I have this tendency to want to use paper or, you know, I, I own the fountain pens prim- primarily because they're tools that I like to use. And I know that if I write things down, I get it out of my head and I feel better about it. If mm-hmm. I do that, yep. And if I have tools that I like to use, I'm more apt to use them in the way I'm supposed to use them. At right. least the way I've set myself up to use them. S- same. We're on the same same page there. So I have found that for me, whenever I am looking at all these paper products, because I I'm not gonna. You know, to be honest, I have considered moving a task management system to paper. I have no idea what that would look like. I think it would be a nightmare if I actually tried it. <laughs> but it, it's something that I have considered. And it's primarily because I do so much on the computer that yeah. it's kind of nice to get a break. I get and that. I, I do all my journaling on paper. You know, I take all my notes on paper. Now, granted, I scan it and throw the paper away. But I'm still taking those notes on paper. And so much of what I'm doing with things like web development is sketching images and ideas that I have for a website or a plugin of some sort that I'm building. You know, I'm always sketching things out, it seems. That is so hard to do on my phone or especially on a Mac. Um, I don't even own an iPad because I haven't figured out how I would use it yet. Mm. Okay, so... Don't take my nerd card <laughs> away. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I find that paper has a very big place in my life yet, and I don't really see that going away anytime soon. So there you go. So we, th- that answers part one. But let's uh, let's. So do you think that there's a real renaissance with the you know the paper based movement because of the amount of time, like you said, so much time is being spent in the digital realm that having a paper planner is almost a way to give us more focus, more of a way to better connect with what we need to do as opposed to the 
connections that we have from everywhere else. Like, like, what are your thoughts on that? I think there might be. I, I've been running across. Uh, so a lot of my clients are small businesses uh, or mom and pop shop type thing. But I also have a few corporate clients. And it's interesting how the corporate client folks, especially the executives in some bigger companies, they seem to, they would go to the digital tools. And right now I feel like they're going back to paper planners. I've seen a lot of the Covey planners Mm -hmm. starting to float around again. Uh, I've been seeing more and more of that. I don't know if that's just my circle that I run in that has more and more of that, or if that's actually a broader culture thing. I don't know. I don't know that I have a solid answer on that, but it seems like the paper companies and the number of, you know, specialty notebooks that I've seen on Kickstarter, it seems like there's more and more of that coming around and there's got to be a market for it if they're still trying to come up with product design on that stuff. And that would and, be my guess anyway. And if they're getting backed too, like if they're, if they're, if they're getting funded, yes, they're successful. Yeah. Like that's, that's a big thing too. Hey Joe, we're going to wrap things up here, but, uh, Cool. I want. I, we definitely are going to have you on for the bonus episode. I want to talk about uh, some of the uh, the other things that you do, and uh, specifically when it comes to being a bookworm. But we'll get to that in the bonus episode for patrons. But where can people find you and your work online so they can learn more about you and dive deeper into OmniFocus and your world of productivity? Yeah, so I run a I run a forum called ProductivityGuild.com, and that's where you can find pretty much everything I'm working on. I've got three different podcasts that I'm a part of. Uh, and, and those are a fun time. But yeah, if you go to productivityguild.com, it, you'll see everything that's going on there. I've got some things that I'm going to be working on in the future for some memberships with that. So it's it's a good time. But that's where I hang out most of the time is there. Excellent. Joe, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Certainly. Thank you for having me. Big thanks to Joe for joining me this week. And big thanks to John Polster for producing this episode of the show. Big thanks to all of you for listening. If you want to get more information on what Joe and I talked about, check out the show notes and all the other goodies that we have associated with this podcast episode. And if you want to dive even deeper into the Productivity podcast, you become a Patreon supporter and you'll get bonus episodes and all that stuff, as well as some other perks. Head over to patreon.com slash productivity to make that happen today. Thanks, man, so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And until next time, this is Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivity Podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going.